It is wonderful to be His, to belong to Him. We worship Him today. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. So please turn on your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It will also be on the screen behind me, and there's some monitors in front of you as well. Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. You may be seated. Study of the book of Acts. I'm really excited about the book of Acts, and you may ask, why? Each week, if you look at your bulletin, on the back, there is our vision statement, and it's kind of broken down five different areas that we look at as we seek to minister in the area around us. Walking in holiness in community, intentional evangelism, practical discipleship, lovingly encouraging those in need, and a vision for the facilities. As I was praying and looking at different directions to how to begin our year, looking at those five focuses, initially I was just going to do a few chapters of Acts. But as I began studying, I I said, this is a powerful book. It's a book that we need to be reminded of again. As we seek to live out this mission in our own lives, as we interact with our neighbors, with our co-workers, as well as reach out in our community in different ways, our state, our nation, our world, our lives are filled with purpose and meaning as the gospel goes out. Well, I mentioned last week that, that the book of Acts is a long book. It's about 28 chapters. And I ask that you begin reading it. If you haven't, I encourage you this week to take time to read four chapters each day. That way, by the end of the week, you will have read it. Maybe two chapters in the morning, two in the afternoon. The book of Acts is a narrative. It's a story. So you need to keep up in order to have that story lined down. And as the story unfolds, we'll see how the early church grew and how it ministered. 
in order to, to get the most out of this series on the book of Acts, I want you to know two things up front. First, the main theme of the book of Acts is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It's a passage that we probably all know very well. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So as you read through the book of Acts, read with this theme in mind. Secondly, the book of Acts is a transitional book. It spans that time between Christ's resurrection and those letters that are written by Paul to those churches that were established. Because it's a transition, we'll see things that are not the norm for today. For example, God waits to give his spirit to certain people groups until the apostles can lay hands on them. This is so the apostles could validate the gospel message and so that others could see that the spirit went not only to the Jew, but to the Samaritan and to the Gentile. This doesn't mean that today that in order to be saved that someone must lay their hands on us. In chapter 5, we'll see that there was a couple who lied about their finances and God struck them dead. Today, we don't expect God to strike us dead for lying. In chapter 1, the twelfth disciple, apostle, was chosen by the use of lots. Today, we don't draw lots to choose our elders. In the book of Acts, the dead were raised. That doesn't mean that we today should go into a funeral home and attempt to raise the dead. Chapter 8, Philip was sent by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch. It says that after he shared with him from the Word, he baptized him. It says that the Spirit removed him to another place, physically. We don't see that happening today. That's not the norm. So I want you to know that this book is transitional. Acts is a historical book, or historic book. There are parts of it that are descriptive. It tells you what happened in that day and time. And some of those things may not apply to us. They might be uh, prescriptive for us. But there are other parts, as we read, that they're clearly prescriptive. They tell us what we should do as a church, what we should do as individuals. This has been a convicting study for myself as I have been going through it. It's causing me to refocus the priorities in my life. And I think it's a fantastic book for us as a church to refocus as we rethink what Good News Bible Church should be doing. The book of Acts is filled with signs and wonders, and it's awesome to see how God worked back then at transitional period. But they weren't the point of the book. The book of Acts was filled with tongues and prophetic words and healing the sick and raising the dead, but they're not the point of the book. Well, with that said, let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 1, if you will turn there with me. The book of Acts, by the way, was written by Dr. Luke. 
who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And he says here, in the first book, which was the Gospel of Luke, O Theopolis, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach unto the day when he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Well, while the Gospel of Luke described what Jesus Christ did while he was on earth, what he did, what he taught, the book of Acts continues that story and it tells you what Jesus Christ is doing and did in the early church through the, the, the church, the body of Christ, the disciples there. When I think of Jesus Christ leaving that early church, I think it's amazing. But then when I think about the fact that he has us today as a church, he's looking on the body of Christ to fulfill his plans, it can be scary, can it? When I think of the early church, I think of the before and after pictures. You guys seen those before, I'm sure. I love to watch some of the TV programs that look at old homes. Some of them feel like they probably, I feel like they should be bulldozed it over. Well, they take them, whether it's Poppy Brothers, or Love It, or Leave It, or Fix a Rupper. They take these homes that were such bad condition, and they turn them into beautiful homes. You see that same before and after picture in weight loss advertising. They show pictures of men and women who lose 25, 50, 100 pounds. And it, it seems like sometimes that the person in the before picture is not the same person in the after picture. Very little resemblance. It seems like they take the most unattractive picture to begin with, and then the most awe-inspiring picture afterwards, before and after. We see these personal makeover programs where they change their clothing styles, their hairstyle, they get them to exercise, and they turn ugly ducklings into swans. Now think about the book of Acts. We see this small, weak, somewhat fearful, confused church that's unsure of its future. It was transformed into a bold, strong church that grew by the thousands. We see these fearful believers become models of courage and strong faith. The before and after pictures are remarkable. I think of Peter, who denied Christ three times, became bold, speaking to thousands, and leading many to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Think of the church that became bold in the midst of persecution. The ministry of the disciples depended totally on the resurrected Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, it says that during these 40 days after his resurrection, that Christ appeared to the apostles and he proved to them, he gave them many convincing proofs that he was actually alive. Luke 24 talks about this same time period, and he tells of the two who came from Emmaus, and Christ went alongside them, talking with them. And then he left, and 
they went to the, to the apostles and the believers in this room. And then Christ appeared to them, and they saw him, and they thought, Is he a ghost? And what did Christ do? Remember? He says, Come, see my wounds. Touch my hands. 1 Corinthians 15 probably gives the most comprehensive view of this time period as far as Christ and his meeting people. He says that he was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve, and after that by more than five hundred at one time, and by James, and later by all the apostles, and lastly by Paul. And all this took place with the exception of Paul, which came much later, in forty days. It was great that Christ didn't appear just once. But as a matter of thought, was I dreaming? He appeared in different ways in different times with different ones to make it clear that he, Jesus Christ, was resurrected. It's important that they know that he was raised from the dead. This strengthened their faith and trust in him. Let's look again at verses 4 through 8. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. For Christ reminds them that John the Baptist baptized with water, but that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And their initial response, if you remember, and this was, was throughout Christ's ministry there, they said, are you bringing in the kingdom of Israel? And he didn't refute that there would one day be a kingdom on earth, but he says, it's not your time, it's not you to know the time or the season that this would take place. These early believers might have assumed that they could minister in their own strength. To prevent this, Christ asked them, he ordered them to remain in Jerusalem and to wait for that power from the Holy Spirit to come upon them. As I mentioned, verse 8 in chapter 1 here is what the whole book of Acts is about. It's the mission statement of the early church. It's the theme of the book. It's that anchor we must put down as we study in order to keep from being pulled on rabbit trails that might take us elsewhere. Again, you are to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. In this single verse, we see God's power, we see his purpose, and we see his plan. The Holy Spirit is an interesting topic. 
dialogue. For some of us, it's extremely difficult to talk about. We're fine talking about the Father and the Son. We'll get a little nervous when we mention the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, there are some who have elevated the Holy Spirit position in the Trinity. For some, he's the only point, the only power, and rather, rather than being one of the three persons of the Trinity. In reality, the Spirit's role, when all said and done, is not to make much of himself, but to point people to Jesus Christ, to make much of Christ. The Word of God is clear that the Holy Spirit indwells all who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He convicts us of our sin. He, he makes us aware, reveals to us our need for a Savior. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives within you. It's He who sustains us. It's He who enables us to walk with the Lord in the midst of life's crises. One person asked, how, how did the nation of Israel walk through the parted Red Sea on dry ground and less than a month later melt all their gold, make a calf, and begin worshiping it after a wild orgy? Good question. It's because miracles don't sustain us. This was one month, one month after they walked through the Red Sea on dry ground that the nation of Israel took all their gold and made a calf and worshipped it after a wild orgy. Miracles don't sustain us. It's the Spirit of God living in us because of our faith in Jesus Christ. There have been times in my life when I've been overwhelmed by the grace of by the beauty and by the love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time that I'd, I'd come to Christ, I'd moved back home, and I trusted Christ while I was at home. And one night, as a new believer, I was just crying out to the Lord, just overwhelmed with His presence. I woke my mom up, and she rushed out to see what was wrong with me. And I was embarrassed. These aren't the norms in our lives, but there are times throughout our lives where we will be overwhelmed by the beauty and by the love of the Lord. Oftentimes, as I, when I've been dealing with struggling with sin, and I yield to the Lord, I confess my sin, or, my, or, my, or I give in to Him. Or, or maybe it's sometimes when, when the Lord is leading me in direction and I say, No, Lord, no. And finally give in. It's then that the Spirit of God is felt and sensed in a powerful way. We don't go about our feelings. The power of the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can be witnesses, according to verse 8. So how are we witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit? It is clear that as we walk in the Spirit, allowing Him to fill us, he uses us, and He fills us so that others see Christ in us, in the midst of our lives. We're not perfect in our, in our walk with God, 
but people see Christ in us. A non-believer without the Spirit of God cannot live a life that points people to Jesus Christ. It's the Spirit of God who dwells in us as believers. It is He who enables us to yield to Jesus Christ's Lordship. Because Christ is Lord, we're able to, to live lives in direct contradiction to the world. We have a different purpose in life. In the midst of life, the Spirit reminds us that we're His. Right? Doesn't He? In the midst of life, there's that quiet voice saying, You're mine. You can do this, and you can do that. I love how Pastor Matt Chandler expresses this truth. He says, Because, um, so, he says, So there are things I do because Jesus is Lord. And there are things I don't do. Because Jesus is Lord. There are places I go because Jesus is Lord. And there are places I do not go because Jesus is Lord. There's a way I spend my money because Jesus is Lord. There are ways I don't spend my money because Jesus is Lord. There are ways that I think and fantasize because Jesus is Lord. There are ways I don't fantasize and think because Jesus is Lord. You see, because the Spirit of God indwells us, because the Spirit fills us, we're able to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Our lives should reflect Christ in 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 such a way that people see a difference in us. The world lives for now the present, but our lives should reflect eternity. Well, after giving them instructions in Acts 8, 1 there, it says that Christ ascended into heaven, and that an angel appeared to them, basically said, what are you looking up for? Jesus Christ, who ascended this way, will return one day, and our hearts should be motivated by the reality that Christ will return one day. We should live in such a way that others see Christ in us. You and I need the Spirit to remind us of that. Second Corinthians 5.10 said, We must all stand before Christ to be judged, not for our salvation, but for our rewards. Revelation 16.15 is a powerful verse. It says, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, so that he does not go about naked and be be seen exposed. These verses are powerful reminders for us to live for Christ. Well, so there's the power through the Holy Spirit. There's a purpose for our lives to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And we see that plan... Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. We need to start in Jerusalem, in our Jerusalem, Logan Square, Humboldt Park, the areas around us. We need to serve them 
various ways, through our wana clubs for children, through Harvest of First Fruits, through soup days, through serving Chase School, as we mentioned last year, through reaching out to the millennial community in various different ways. We need to engage those that are around us. We need to walk alongside those in our neighborhoods. We see them in restaurants, in coffee shops, in various stores that we go to. For years, I shopped at Dominic's over on Clybourne that closed down last year, and I got to know the people pretty well. Ernesto was the guy in charge of produce, and he would always get me the fresh fruits and vegetables that I wanted. And Freddie, the butcher, would call me by name and say, Ralph, we got this special over here. He knew me, and I knew him. Elena and the ladies at the checkout counter, they knew that I looked for sales. And they would always ask me, did you see this sale, or did you see that sale? And then there was Tom at Starbucks, and I couldn't always go by Starbucks. And sometimes I'd try to kind of skimp by Tom, and he would yell at me. I couldn't get away from him. You see, I built relationships with these various people in Dominic's. They knew I was a pastor. I regret that I never had an opportunity to share the gospel with them. I've gone back a couple times just to see the people. I've talked to Ernesto yesterday. I saw Elena yesterday. You see, I, I, I need to build these relationships with people. Well, I start a coffee shop over here. If you know me, I like coffee. Sometimes I'll meet with Pastor Kerry or I'll meet with, with Aaron or whomever it is. We go there and they know that we are part of the staff at Good News Bible Church. Sometimes we may pray while we're there. I want you and me, wherever we are in our daily lives, to begin to think, I need to be evangelizing. I need to be reaching the community around me. Even the point of the gas station. I know that it's not the same style that it used to be, but there are people there that we can build relationships with. To be honest with you, for me sometimes it's easy to rush into a store. Sometimes I don't want to stop and say, well, hi, how are you doing today? Someone get out. But the Spirit of God reminds me over and over that I need to build relationships. I need to build relationships. Sometimes I'm so tired. I just want to go. But right? But the Spirit of God says, stop. Stop. Get to know. Sometimes over here, our mission home is filled with wonderful, wonderful men. Wonderful men. It's a joy to have them. And, and, and there's a turnover, you know, so there's always new people coming in. And some days, man, I've got my schedule. I've got all these things I need to do. And somebody wants to talk. There's a new guy that comes in. Sometimes our schedule is not God's schedule. He has other plans. 
my question for you is, are you reaching out? Are you reaching out to your neighbors, maybe? Are you reaching out to your family members who don't know Jesus Christ? Well, as we move from Jerusalem into Judea, into Samaria, I'm reminded of the conflict that took place between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans, of course, were known as half-bloods. The Jews despised them for various reasons. But we see in the book of Acts that the Samaritans were brought the gospel and some came to Christ. We need to be open to those around us who may not think like we do, may not look like we do. You know, you can interact with some of these millennials that have just flooded into our area. They have a different perspective on life. We need to be getting to know them. We need to be reaching out to them. Again, restaurants, coffee shops, grocery stores. Well, are you open to the Samaritan that's in your life? May I ask you, who is your Samaritan that you need to reach across that wall? Is there someone? Is there people? Well, as we consider to the ends of the earth, we need to be praying about how God will use us to reach the world. And yes, we have the missionaries. We have Pastor Wilson, whom we've We've uh, sent over, back over and working with in Liberia, and we've gone over with teams before. But maybe God might be speaking to some of us, saying to us, are you willing to say goodbye to those whom you love in order that the gospel might be carried to someone else? It might mean that we have to take steps of faith that might seem strange. You know, that's the way God has always worked, isn't it? I've shared with you guys how hard it was for Chris and I to leave our families in Alabama and Louisiana, usually going down once a year. We, we love our families. We love things about our home area. And over the years, in different ways, we've been offered positions. I remember going to New Orleans to a church that Chris had attended while she taught there. They offered me a job. I just, that wasn't what I wanted. And then later on, the, the job that I wanted most of all when I left Southeastern Bible College, I was asked to come down and interview for dean of students. And I met in different ways with different ones. And finally, I met together with all the department heads and the president and the vice president. And I think it was the, the guy over the, the theology department I don't know if we call me Ralph or Mr. Edmonds, but he said, um, he says, I would welcome you here, Ralph. He said, but I'm not sure that you should be leaving Chicago. He said, I sense a deep love and commitment to that church and to that community. He said, so please know I welcome you here. I think you do a great job. He says, but I just want to say that. And I'd vote for you. Well, long story short, they offered me a position 
I remember talking to the president, Dr. Talley, just before I left, and he was telling me all the things I need to do, and I, I, I said, I don't think so. I said, I'll go back and I'll pray. I went back, and I think that he gave me probably three or four phone calls. Said, Ralph, come. I'll never forget, my family in Alabama was so disappointed. I, I think that my sister felt like I betrayed them. But see, I'd been two and a half hours away from my family. Verses 15 or so. But see, I knew that even though I loved the South, I loved that area, this was home. I even went down for eight months, Chris and I did, and, and Zach at that time, between our ministry to ICI and before coming on staff with Good News. Because I love the South, and I wanted to minister there. It was so very clear that Chicago is where I should be. We need to be open to the Spirit's leading in our lives. And being open means being open-handed, right? Not clutching, holding on to what we have. It's that your will be done, not mine, mindset. Because Christ is our Lord. Is God speaking to you about going somewhere? About ministering in a different area? Are you open? If God were to call you to go elsewhere? Which it's only through the power of the Spirit that we can release our hands, right? And say yes to God. What we've seen, this power to live the Christian life through the Holy Spirit, we've seen this purpose of being witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we've seen a plan, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. This affects us individually, but it also affects us as a church, how we think corporately, how we operate. So this book of Acts is a reminder for us that we need to behave in a certain way. I love the book of Acts, and it can be divided up in so many different ways, but the first 12 or so chapters look at the ministry of Peter as God used him. The last half or so look at Paul and his ministry. But you know, the neat thing is that over 100 personal names are listed in the book of Acts. Over 100 because you see, it's not just Paul and Peter, but it's the church. It's the church. It's those 100 names that were mentioned, and that didn't include all of them. It's the body of Christ working together to do the work. As we're empowered by the Spirit of God, as we yield our lives to Him, People see Christ in us. We reach out 
to our neighbor here in Jerusalem, so to speak. And maybe move out to some of the suburbs sometimes for ministry. For the nation, the world. We need to be engaging the world around us. Pastor Terry mentioned a while ago the vertical worship coming up on the 15th. Be a time of worship, but some time to pray. We're going to ask you to consider fasting. God has a purpose for our lives. He's called us. As we trust Christ, as we yield our lives to Him, He empowers us through the Holy Spirit be witnesses to go out. Well, there's a Chinese farmer who, after having cataracts removed from his eyes, made his way back from the Christian compound to the interior of China. Only a few days passed, and this Christian doctor looked out his bamboo window, and he saw this man who had been blind with a rope, hit the front end of a rope, a long rope, and behind it was a long line of Chinese people who were blind, holding on to the rope. You see, in single file, they came because they knew that this farmer had been blind. But now he could see. He told them of the doctor who cured him. And naturally, all these blind people wanted to meet this doctor who had cured this blind man. The blind man couldn't explain the physiology of an eye, I'm sure. And I doubt that he could give you the techniques of the operation. But what he could do he could tell others that he had been blind, but now he could see that this doctor had operated on him. And so it is with us as Christians. We may not be the greatest theologians, although we should have a good grasp of God's Word. We not, may not be able to, to understand all the deep intricacies and the mysteries of God. We may not be perfect, flawless believers. We can all tell people about what Jesus Christ has done for us. We may not all be teachers. We may not all be evangelists. We can be witnesses. We can be witnesses as we submit to the Lord and to His leadership, as we allow the Spirit of God to lead us and to guide us in our lives. And that's the point of this book, this wonderful book of Acts. Let's pray. Now, Father, what you remind us